Drugs on all to fearless in devotion. Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by uh, Wrexham's very own Fat Ball. Uh, another action-packed week for Wrexham. Defeat in the FA Cup in Bramall Lane, and then another solid home win versus Wealdstone to keep that hundred percent record intact. Let's briefly tackle Sheffield United first. Another good effort, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. Pretty decent. Um, it's one of those, isn't it? Really, we kind of. Started off a bit bit shakily and then came back into it, as we always do. We just grow into games. And yeah, it might have been very different if, if Mullin scores his second penalty, but it is what it is. It, it was a good a good cup run, lots to take from it. Um, and yeah, it's just... It's it's a shame that the side circus... I'm, I'm, we're not talking about our side circus that Heckenbottom initially talked about, you know, the whole documentary and they take us. It's a shame that the side circus of everything that happened in the aftermath kind of uh, overshadowed um, what was a, a you know very good performance at the end of the day. So, yeah, that was yeah. that was a bit disappointing. But, yeah, we all know about it. it. Was it disappointing, though? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, and I think part of the reasoning is two things, actually. Without making a comment on the actual content, for example, of Billy Sharp's interview, I actually quite like it when players shoot from the hip a little bit. You know, even if you know how how often do we see these boring? I, I'll be honest, I barely watch the loads of player interviews that you get because they're, they're all the same. It was it was quite refreshing to get one that was a bit aggy, um, and then obviously we had Parky and Toza firing back a little bit in the post match pressers, um, but also it, it means that. We're we're not just plucky Wrexham anymore, and it's like, oh yeah, didn't the little non-league side do well? I I, I quite enjoyed the fact that we were getting under a team's skin. I don't know. What do you think, Liam? Um, I think it, you talk about that. I think Parkinson talked about how much they celebrated their goals, and you know, from the away end looking over, they were going absolutely nuts. So that that's got to be a huge compliment, surely for. For a team to celebrate beatness that much when they're quite comfortably looking at promotion to the Premier League, seventy-two places above us. Exactly. That that's got to be, you know, you've got to. Ta- I think you've got to take that as a compliment. The one thought I did have on it, in terms of the sharp episode, is did Paul Hackingbottom do a sort of, you know, pin it on the, um, pin it on the tactics board with the tweets and you know, sort of rile his players up a bit, motivate them to you know, to want to really be up for the game um, because it just seemed a bit strange to me. I don't know about what, what fo- footballers' social media habits are, but would they necessarily be going around looking for our tweets? I don't know. Well, if he did, I would I would su- politely suggest that it didn't really work because they still limped home, let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was uh, they, they totally outplayed us in the first half. And there's any getting, getting away from that. LinkedIn made a couple of smart saves. But after that, and once, once we got that equaliser, uh, it was all us for about 10, 15, 20 minutes. And they were properly on the ropes. I thought that what Toza said at the end of the press conference was quite telling in that, you know, the, the sort of content of the tweet, which was remarkably mild, uh, was sort of detailed to him. He said, has that really riled him up that much? Sounds like an excuse to me. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I think that's pretty bob on. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed the needle after the game in terms of how it yeah. kind of swayed one way and the other. Parky's had a crack and then obviously Sharp again in his official match presser with, with Sheffield United said he doesn't like me because I always score against his teams, blah, blah, blah. Apparently there's a bit more backstory to all that. 
but is it really worth the effort? Probably not at this stage to, to look at. Um, and I, I thought Toes was much more measured. I enjoyed that from Toes. It shows that he's really fighting for the club. And I just thought he he, he just came across in a more astute, you know, classy way, which was never going to be difficult after after seeing the Sharp interview. So, yeah, it, it was good. And it was, uh, I mean, the Tim rattled just flying around here, here, there and everywhere. And, and the banter on Twitter was chaos. And, I, you know, we've been levelled on, on on ours. I had the most rattled uh, Wrexham uh, fan Twitter site I've seen out of everybody so far. One minute they want to draw a line on it, and then next they're still going on about it. I said, well, I was referring to the actual result, not the aftermath, because that's just fun, isn't it? It takes on a life of, it, of its own. But, but anyway, poor Billy Sharp's now injured. Um, so it must have been the bruised ego that weighed down heavily on his cankles, and now he's injured. So, I mean, massive shame massive shame yeah yeah no I, I mean yeah you're right but um and it's quite telling as well that quite a lot of Sheffield United fans are still popping up on Twitter so I mean <laughs> uh if uh you know it's quite I, as I say I I'm taking it as a compliment you know team three divisions below and and we're still in their thoughts so that's entertaining anyway back to league business uh Wheelstone another comfortable win um nothing massive there to write home about other than you know we dug ourselves out of a little bit of a hole um, that we got ourselves into, but um, yeah, anyone, anyone impressed for anyone? Mendy, 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 Mendy for me. I just, I just think like considering he's still not fully fit yet. And obviously he got, he got a 45. He probably wasn't expected, expecting with Fadzin going off. I just, I, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get a winger that'll come along and proper excite you. And as good as Ford and Jones are, they're not, I wouldn't say they're quite edge of seat kind of players. Whereas Mendy, he's just so athletic and quick and nimble, and he's always looking to get the ball out from his feet straight away. And if 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 the option of a cross is none, then you know he's going to go out his player. So I just think he just brings an extra kind of edge sort of to, to that to that mid, that midfield really. So yeah, really impressed with him. I thought he was decent. Um, yeah, I mean, pick pick who you like. They're all pretty impressive. Clearworth again when he came on, really good. Elliot Lee, different level, probably probably his best game for us, I'd say. Um, he just he seems to have a lot of the ball, and when he did have it, have it he uh, seemed to go past quite a few challenges. So yeah, I thought he'd really get a good. Well, his dad probably from the sand. So yeah, good job, Elliot Lee. So I think O'Connell um, again has come in. We're, we've been in a situation where you know, it was massive panic for everyone after the first leg against Sheffield United when two of our best defenders came down. But O'Connell just looks so assured in defence. He's really positive with his passing as well. Always looking to move the ball forward, always looking to see which midfielders are around him. Um, and on in terms of Mendy, it was two things that impressed me for his goal. One was the way he anticipated where the second ball was going to drop. If you watch the highlights, you can see he's anticipating where that's going to come. And then it's just how he set himself up, just switched it onto his right foot with several players coming at him and just placed it perfectly. Um, so those are probably the two standout players for me. Um, overall, a deserved win as well, I think. Good win. And then I think most Wrexham fans' attention then turned to Chesterfield, uh, who were on BT Sport playing Notts County. Uh, Chesterfield were unable to do us a favour. And if any of you were like me, you were watching one screen of Wales getting absolutely battered up in Murrayfield and another screen of Chesterfield sort of slowly, quite clearly, weren't going to do a job for us. 
this is a pretty depressing end to a to a what was a decent start to a Saturday. Uh, Tim, um, you know, not County, they they just crack on a bit like we do, don't they? Yeah, again, it's 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 one of those that I can only assume that last year the battle with Stockport will stand us in greater stead for what is going on now because we've been there, experienced it, we've been the chaser, we've been the chased, and and you got to take take your hat off to them. You know, they they've won yesterday without Rodriguez. Um, they've shown what they're about. I mean, I mean Chesterfield in stinking forms. Like that that their fourth loss on the spin, so not not great. Uh, a draw would have taken, obviously, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I kind of feel that the longer, obviously, the longer as this goes on, you kind of feel that that game when they come here is absolutely enormous. Like everything, you, you bold up six pointer and underline it and italicize it because that's exactly what it is. It's just massive that um, if if things keep going the way they go, um, you know, that not scary. We, we kept saying, I've got some tough games, Solihull, Chesterfield. And they've won them. So you, you can't take that lightly. You just can't. So uh, we've got to keep cracking on. And it's whoever blinks first, unfortunately. And you just kind of feel that there's very, very, very little room for error. Um, so God knows how it's going to go. Yeah. Liam, is it all coming down to that Easter Monday? I mean, I, I just think there will be a bit like this, the last season, there will be twists and turns. And my view, so I was chatting to this with someone the other day who was actually a Stockport fan. And he was saying, it's not going to be the team that drops points first that will necessarily not win the league. So it's not going to be who blinks first next. It's going to be who bounces back because it, as we've seen with Chesterfield, it's all too easy to get yourself in a little bit of a trough. You lose a game and you absolutely overreact and panic to it and then lose on a Tuesday, and suddenly you're on two defeats in a row, and then, you, then, you're, then you're in a bit of trouble. It's the team that will, let's say now we don't beat Woking tomorrow, we drop two points. What we do on Saturday, I think, will determine then whether we do win, not necessarily that Tuesday. What are your thoughts, Liam? Well, one of my mate's mottos at the minute is, oh, he keeps saying, oh, we're going to pull away in March, going to pull away in March. I want to share the optimism, but... Looking at how they played against Chesterfield on BT Sport, you know, people did said they didn't play well, but what they were is clinical. And like us, they find ways to win games when they're not necessarily at their best. So at the at the moment, it's just a bit of a you know a toss-up for me in terms of that. And one thing I've come to terms with is I do have a, quite a bit of respect for Notts County in that, you know, there's two great teams who are here who are on the course for over a hundred points. And yeah, we know what the rules are in terms of this league with automatic promotion positions but it just it's just something doesn't sit right with me that there's two great teams that you know one faces the very real risk of not being promoted I just don't see how it's how it's fair in a sporting sense but I think that's uh, something we could fill a whole podcast with perhaps yeah definitely um yeah I got no problem with Notts County um but hopefully we can pip them to it um also we've glossed over the fact I mean it's it's getting so not boring, that's the wrong word, but it's so routine now that these things keep happening. But Will Farrell was in Wrexham on the weekend. Uh Tim, did you did you did you get to meet him? I did not get to meet him. I did have a bit of time to go mm-hmm. after the game, so I was thinking of hanging around. So I did briefly, but I thought, you know, let the kids have their turn. I've been there and done that with the bands I was into back in the day. So managed to catch a glimpse of him before I left because I had to leg it to, for a train. But yeah, another another one which 
we're not massively surprised about because obviously he was at Wembley to see his lose against Bromley in the trophy. Um, and Ryan Reynolds said that he, he sort of planned to get him to the to the game. And was a surprise that he t- tipped up without um, the owners, but I'm sure it was a good good experience for him nevertheless. And it was nice that he was uh, doing selfies and signing autographs. And uh, yeah, it's just another day in uh, in Wrexham, isn't it? Really. Tim, what's your favourite Will Ferrell quote? Um, I can feel it deep down in my plums. Uh, not many people will ever know where that's from. So, yeah, you really need to check out Eastbound and Down. It's amazing. It's brilliant. He plays a, a, a doggy um, BMW dealership owner who looks like Ric Flair, the wrestler. So, yeah, it's just ace. Moving on now, uh, Tim, some interesting quotes from Rob Page, Wales manager, who was asked about it uh, in the last week, about a certain Mr Paul Mullin. Um, what can you tell us? Yeah, well, you know, we've we've been sort of banging Mullin's drum for a while now since since he sort of declared his eligibility for, for Cymru via a Welsh grandmother. And finally, even though I think it's been mentioned to him at various fans' meetings and fans' forums up and down the country, um, Page has finally come out and said um, and, and spoken about Mullin. Uh, you obviously watched him in the in the three one FA Cup replay at Sheffield United, and he, this is what he said. So he said, "I was really impressed with him. He did not give the sense about one minute on the ball. If there was an aerial battle, he was there. He was competing all game, and I like that about him. And he's got an eye for goal, and he's got quality as well. So I was really impressed with him." So there we are. Um, but there's a bit of an update. I think somebody's mentioned on on Facebook somewhere that. Um, the FAW have not received any confirmation of his eligibility to play for Wales as of yet. So whether Guy and Parry and Co can can uh, get on the blower to them first thing tomorrow, that'd be great. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it would be great to to get some some Wrexham um, respect back in the uh, the Welsh lineup because it's been a while. It's been a long time, to be honest, um, a very long time since the days of Steve Evans and Mark Jones and Chris Llewellyn. So, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we've got games coming up against Croatia and Latvia, um, European Championship qualifying next month. So it's a, it's a weird one. As much as I w- we want him to be called up, it's like, do we want him called up for this camp? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a horrible one, isn't it? Because we don't want to lose him for any games. That's the thing. No, absolutely not, Paul. I love you. <laughs> uh, I you know I wish great things for you. I hope you get to play international football, just not this season, please. Just let's just wait. Isn't there a game in the summer, Gibraltar? There's, yeah, there's plenty of games in the summer. There's Turkey and all that. So we'll uh, see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I still think no, it's it's, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? And um, you know. I, I think deep down for me, I, I, I he is quite clearly a quality player. He's quite quali- clearly got potential to be championship quality. Uh, who knows, even higher maybe. You know, it's it's difficult to know, isn't it? And when when someone's not playing at that level regularly, um, I just feel that maybe it is a little bit uh, too much of a gulf in terms of that gap. Uh, I think maybe if we're in League Two, I think maybe next season that might be. Or if we but get what, promoted, but, but, but where, what's the difference between national league and league two, though? Really, I don't, I don't know very little. But I just, I just think that there's, I mean, I, I just think Wales are in a position now. They're they're in a period of transition where they can't, the beggars can't be choosers, and we're now mm-hmm. at that point where the likes of Bale and Allen are now retired. Ramsey will no doubt be the next high profile player to leave. 
Mm. There are other players, the likes of Mark Harris and this, that, and the other, but nobody's prolific. And I think even at this level, his record speaks volumes. So why not give him a go and see what happens? If he cuts it, he cuts it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. So, yeah. What's what's Mark Harris doing at the moment? Is he playing, still playing for Cardiff? Not really getting game time. He's still there. Yeah, I think he's still there, but, you know, Mm. I don't think he's the most prolific player. Cardiff are going to be in League One next year, so... Yeah, I know. It's looking bad, isn't it? Well, anyway, we could talk about this. Tell, let us know what you think. Uh, message Tim, Fearless ID, Zine. Or you Zine, could... Zine. Zine. Flip sake. I'm going to... is cheering. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go again. Okay. No, I'm, actually, I'm not. But but the email the email is fidzine, Z-I-N-E, at gmail.com. Uh, please do let us know what you think. Should Paul Mullin be called up for Cymru? Um, anyway, well, you may us, be one. Tweet us as well. Tweet, tweet us. us as well at mm. Fearless IDZine. Uh, anyway, you may be wondering where the dulcet tones of a certain Mr. Andy Gilpin uh, are this week at the podcast. Andy has flown to New Zealand. Uh, is it is it business or pleasure? I, th- I think it's pleasure, isn't it? I think it's pleasure. He's been there for a long time, though. Yeah, I know. It's a bizarrely long time. And he is going to the test match, uh, or yeah. at least at least one. I'm going to test your uh, your Wrexham New Zealand knowledge now. Can you name any New Zealand players that have played for Wrexham? Oh, Chris Cullen? Oh, there you go. Liam spoils it straight away. Ah, it doesn't even give time to answer. But yeah, Chris Killen. Chris Killen. Yeah. Wow. The only, the only New Zealand player I could think of other than that was Rory Fallon. Who was obviously not never played for Axon, but he did, he did play for Swansea City um, back in the day. Um, yeah, big guy, caused problems up top. Anyway, Andy Gilpin's out there at the moment. I think he landed yesterday or Saturday. Uh, we wish him well. He will be joining us if he can, if if um, time zones allow. Can't make it this week, but a few weeks ago he did interview a former Axon player, a mainstay for Axon in the late nineties, and I'll let Andy do the introductions. Right, catch your mind back to 1997. Tony Blair was about to sweep to power, the Spice Girls were dominating the charts, and Brian Flynn took some of his FA Cup money and poached our rival's biggest star. Signing in a golden period for the Len Robbins, he could play either up front or at the back, sometimes both in the same match. With 85 appearances for the Dragons over three seasons, he's also been described as a great fella who all the young lads respected massively as he looked out for us by one of the lads coming through the ranks. Welcome to the pod, Dean Spink. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. Um, right, a few house sort of keeping questions. What was your nickname? My na- nickname was Adina. Dino. I was going to say Spinko, Spinky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, <laughs> a good old-fashioned straight Dino. Right, here's another one. Can you remember your first Wrexham goal? Uh, no. Not that oh, that many of goals, but uh, yeah, but scored some good goals, obviously, with good players, sort of thing. Yeah, it, I went through soccer base to do all sorts of seasons, and it's great because it shows you all the teams, but it doesn't show you bloody scored the goals. So okay. I, could, I was hoping you'd remember. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, never mind. I'm sure I'm sure one of the listeners can uh, will write in and, and take us through it. Yeah, okay, here's another thing 
were you once told by John John Bond that you'd never make it? I was told by John Word, uh, John, John Bond, quote, I'd like you to go home at the weekend and come back on Monday morning and tell me that you're packing the game in. And Gary wow. Shaw, Gary Shaw at the time stood up <laughs> and said, who do you think you are? Do you know what I mean? You don't do this. This is what it's about. And uh, yeah, he said that. And then in time to come, his words turned around, obviously, because I went back to centre half and then he was looking at trying to sell me then for five, six hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not great management, really, is it? Was he was he just quite a hard taskmaster? I don't know. I think he just had his personal ways the way he was. You know, there was different lads. There was different people. Graham Worsley was a lad right back. He said, if, if I'd have been your dad at birth, I'd have drowned you at birth. We've had sort of stuff said now, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, you definitely couldn't get away with that now. That's not in any of the uh, FA FA sort of uh, coaching manuals, that is it? No, no, there's no, no, that won't happen. Right, we've got to talk about Shrewsbury before we get into Wrexham. You were voted Shrewsbury's best ever cult player in 2006. I think you got 68% of the to the vote. How did that feel? Yeah, it was an award and, you know, it's brilliant. But you know what? Below me, you know, there were good older players going back years ago. I can't remember the guy who scored loads of goals for Shrewsbury. And, it, you know, it's very, very nice to have the accolade. But, you know, I'm sure there were bigger players, better players, you know what I mean, at that time, going back over yeah. the I mean, a cult player is a cult player, Dean. You, you can't pick who you, who you think is... Uh... <laughs> Is, is one of your favourites. And I'm sure, you know, they might have been more talented players, but you obviously made a big, big impression on those fans. Yeah, it was a big thing. You know, I, when we play, you know, going back in those, you know, play with your heart and your sleeve sort of thing. And, you know, I give my all. You know, I wasn't the, I wasn't the most prolific goal scorer, you know, the most uh, talented football player, but I always worked hard and give 110%. Right. Do you have a shark bite on your leg? I do have something. Shark bike on my leg. Shark bite on my leg. I do. Um, you're going to have to tell us more about this, Dean. Well, what happened was I uh, I was playing for Shrewsbury against uh, Torquay, I think it was. I was playing centre half. Centre forward got injured. I went up front uh, and the ball was going. It went behind the defender. I went through. Challenge with the goalkeeper, goalkeeper diamonds my leg, and I had a it's called a blood clot, hematoma. So right. I had a ble- I had a bleed in the muscle of the leg. Ooh. Uh and it was my birthday on that Saturday. So on the night we went out for drinks, went out for food, and I could feel my leg growing, getting bigger. And there was no room in my trousers for my leg to go. And then all of a sudden I passed out and I was rushed by ambulance into hospital. And uh, cut open and skin grafted. Wow. So, I'm... yeah, it, but it, I must admit, it is a good talking point on holiday when people look, <laughs> they, oh, my God, what happened to your leg? And I tell the story, I got bit by a shark. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> when, when, they said, when you said we were playing Torquay, I thought you might have been bitten by a real shark. But... <laughs> so, yeah. is, it, is it you still got, I mean, is it still quite noticeable now? Still very noticeable, yeah. There's still a skin graft there. Uh, I had 100 and, about 120 staples put around it. Wow. So, 
in in a way, it looks just like a. Well, we, we went to Wembley with Shrewsbury, and my mates all come and they they dressed up, fake tan hair, a lot, and they put a strip of bacon, sellotape <laughs> bacon to the side of the leg. It was funny. It was funny. Was this before you signed for Wrexham? Was this in your first spell at Shrewsbury? This was when I was at Shrewsbury. Yes, this is when I was at Shrewsbury. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four. This happened. Yeah. Right. Okay. Final question before we get into your sort of Wrexham career, and it's the key question that everyone needs needs wants to know: Were you a better centre half or striker? I'm going to go with. I don't really know. I enjoyed it at the back. And I enjoyed it up front. Don't get me wrong. There's more pressure on you up front to be scoring goals uh, and that sort of thing. If it's not going well, the team's not winning. The forwards always get blamed. As a centre-half, your head, you kick. And, you know, you get on it. I enjoyed both positions, really. But obviously, in the end, when I went to centre-half, I enjoyed centre-half. Centre-half was good. I played alongside some good players. Right. I think you're going centre-half. Yes, I will. <laughs> Right, we're going to sort of move on to your, to your Wrexham career now. And before we sort of get on to you signing for the club, I want to take you back to the season before you signed for Wrexham, where you managed to get sent off against Wrexham in 12 yep. minutes. I mean, what, what was, what, were you a man possessed at that game? How, 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 how did that come about? Well, what happens is there's a lot of feedback in teams when there's local derbies and this and that. And I knew I was playing against Tony Humes. Tony Humes was a hard man. He'd been at Ipswich. He was header. He was a kicker. He was a hard player. He was going to do me. That's how football was in those days. You knew that the physical players, they were going to put out the better players in which way. I went up for a ball. I jumped across Tony. And Tony's nose happened to hit my elbow. <laughs> And that was that was it then, and that that was it. Yeah, no, there was no there was no intention for me to elbow Tony. Um, yeah, uh, was it a straight red, Dean? It's straight red, straight red. Yeah, 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 straight red. After that, I mean, I never meant it at all. I never meant it. You know, you jump with your arms and you jump across to get your leverage, and yeah. you know, I hit Tony, uh, and yeah, straight sent off. Um, I mean that that can't have dampened sort of Brian Flynn's view of you that much because at the end of that season he came in for you. Um, I, I think the fee was around sixty k, was it? Maybe a bit more. I know he put a, a big chunk of uh, our FA Cup money towards you. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, something like sixty five, seventy five, something like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, when I was told when I was at Shrewsbury uh, that Wrexham would come in. Uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I went, uh, Fred Davis went, moved as well. So yeah. I'm, so Fred spoken to him and, uh, yeah, moved across. Great. I mean, was there any aggro from Shrewsbury's fans? Take me through like the rivalry. Cause I, I'll be honest, Dean, um, we don't see the Shrews as our biggest rival because we have got too much hatred in our hearts for Chester. And so we can't really see, see the, see the Shrews as, as, as bigger than them, really, in our sort of rivalries. But what's it like for Shrewsbury? Do they see Wrexham as their their biggest rival? Do you think? I don't really know. I mean, I know I know there's been big game. They've had big games over the over the years, and you know there's been different you know fans on the pitch and stuff like that. But mm. uh, yeah, I suppose it's the most local team sort of thing. But obviously, I understand the Wrexham Chester 
scenario totally. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that because you are yeah. to the dark side, but, uh, yeah. you know, we won't yeah. hold that against you. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> so did you ever sort of think twice about signing for Wrexham due to the rivalry or was that, was your mind no. made up? Did you think it was a, a better I, club for you at that time? Yeah, it was going to be, you know, a Wrexham at the time moving into a chance of getting into the first division. You know, we went into the playoffs. I think we were at... Uh, Oh, where were we? We missed out by, I think, Bristol Rovers had scored in the last minute. South End, I think we were. And uh, we just missed out by a point for the playoffs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was a great team. Very, We were very strong, you know, and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also sort of interested in the mechanics of a transfer, especially back then. Did you have an agent back then? Or how did it sort of, were you just told yourself and you dealt with it? No, I was just told myself by Fred Davis, who was uh, at uh, Shrewsbury as a goalkeeping coach. And I think uh, uh, Brian Flynn had spoken to Fred and wanted Fred to go there as a goalkeeping coach. And Fred said to me, because I was out of contract, looked in, Wrexham were interested. Uh, and it went from there. Well, so fair enough. So you like you just you just sorted out with Flynn and yourself. I mean, what, yeah. what did you sort of came when, see when you came across to the training ground. I mean, we wouldn't have Colliers Park by then. Well, where were they training? Can you remember? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, we had Colliers oh, Park. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. Was, yeah, it was amazing. Unbelievable. I mean, when you that like, Brian Flynn, you had Kevin Reed, Joey Jones, you know, it's amazing, you know, backroom staff. I come as a striker. I mean, uh, Neil Roberts was coming through. Neil Roberts was in the team. Uh, I'm trying to think of the lads that were up front then. Obviously, Carl Connolly, yeah. uh, Steve in. So, you know, there's a lot of competition for places. Yeah. And, you know, there was lots of strong characters in that dressing room. You know, Kevin Russell, Carey, uh, your mate, Tony Humes. Um, yeah. What was it like for an experienced player like yourself to go into that dressing room? Were they quite welcoming or did they sort of, did they want you to prove yourself a little bit? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. They want to prove yourself because they want you to see you as a player sort of thing. You know, and then once you once you start playing, they adapt to your sort of play and then everything goes forward. But it was quite funny because obviously when I went back to Collins Park, first person I moved in to bump into is Tony Humes. <laughs> did you you didn't bump into him literally, did you, with your elbow? It was very uh it was very quiet at first, but in the end, yeah, it was good. He's a you know, he's a lovely guy, great guy. Yeah, I mean, he is known as a rock-hard centre-half, but I've spoken to him a few times because he obviously he did um, he did the youth team at Wrexham after he finished. And, you know, he is a generally lovely guy, isn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, what he sees, what you get. Yeah, so, I mean, you and him sort of, after sort of initial thing, he just sort of let it let it slide, I'm sure. I'm sure he would have known you were coming in and, you know, made peace for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I spoke to him after, I, I said to him, you know, I never meant it at that time. And it was one of those things that happened. And then, you know, he knows I'm a centre forward, he's a centre half. We both know, you know, even when I was centre half, I had the same sort of things. But it's just one of those things that you accept. I mean, it doesn't really tend to happen in the game so much now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's cameras and stuff everywhere now. You know, that's a six-match six ban, maybe, if someone someone picks it up. I mean, sort of fitting into that team in the first sort of season, you know, you mentioned sort of some of the players they had up front. I mean, I know Brian Flynn was always, 
you always like to sort of a four at the back, maybe three in midfield, one winger in Carl, and then and then you know a, a big man little man partnership. Really, I mean, did he did he sort of tell you what what he wanted you to do that season? How he wanted to change the the the, the play with you in the team? Yeah, he always wanted me as a main target man, and then Carl. Uh, Carl Connolly coming round me. You had Martin Chalk on the wing. You know, you had lads in midfield, Dave Brammer, Kev Russell, uh, Wardy, players like that, you know, threading the ball through all the time. And it was a matter of getting in, getting the ball wide, getting the ball in the box. Yeah. And uh, like, did you set yourself a goal target for that season or did you just sort of want to bed into the team? No, just really try and actually, when you first go there, try and bed in the team, try and blend, you know, get into it, get into where the balls are coming and uh, and just work from there, really. I was, yeah. I, me personally, as a player, I was more, probably more a hold-up player, bring other people into play sort of thing. Yeah, so you didn't, you, you were never, you never really judge yourself on goals, even, you know, I know you played as a striker, but, you know, it's like that wasn't the be-all and end-all of your game, no? No, no. My game was just to go out there and work hard and create create chances for other players. Yeah. Um, sorry, my, my girlfriend's just come back from work, so I'm just ushering her, no her through. <laughs> uh, she's been standing by the side of the kitchen for the last five minutes. <laughs> right. Um, standout games of that season. I mean, it was another sort of good tilt tilt for promotion. Didn't really get there. There was a decent run in the cup. I remember we beat Chester that season. But there was a couple of games against Wimbledon, weren't there? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we we'd been we know we were uh, we were doing really well. Then we'd lose the game. Then we had some good runs. But mm. uh, overall, you know, we we're a good strong team. You know, they were good lads. I mean, that team was full of good players, you know, very strong players. Phil Hardy left back, Darren Brace, you know, uh, yeah. Brian yeah. back, Tony. Do you know what I mean? That was, it was a strong team, Andy Marriott in goal. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a question about Andy we'll come to in a, in, in a minute. But what was it like playing with Carl Connolly? Because for me, he's one of my favourite ever players. He's quite an yeah. unassuming lad, isn't he? But, you know, you're a target man, but how good was he in the air? Yeah. He was unbelievable. I mean, his ability was unbelievable. That left foot, I mean, he could, he could score goals from nowhere. You know, he had a great ability at scoring goals. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got a, a real sort of cult favourite. Right, I've got a question here, which was, I can't remember who, who first mentioned this. Um, I'm just going to come out with it. Was Andy yep. Marriott mean? Mean? Yeah. As in which way, what way? As in... As in, was he a bit tight? A bit tight. The only thing we ever really had from him was uh, he never really said a lot and he kept himself to himself. Yeah. I mean, I, that side of it, the tight, I, I don't really know that side because I didn't really mix with him. Do you know what I mean? I was more Kev Russell, Craig, yeah. that scenario. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I, I did. Andy Marriott, no, I never really. Uh, had anything to do with him. Obviously, as a player, you spoke to him, but none. Mm. They all go out or see at the weekends. You know, I've just remembered who did give us this story. It was Kev Russell. He said that um, I think he had some free gear uh, from Sondico or something, and he tried to sell it to Wayne Phillips rather than just give it to him. And I, I think this is what... I remember yeah. that I remember bags coming. He used to have big bags from Adidas of uh, yeah. clothes, gloves and that. But uh, yeah, no, I wasn't, no. No, I had no contact. <laughs> oh, no, fair enough then. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. 
This is another story I've been told by an, uh, by another guy who played with you. Can you remember Magaluf after the Welsh Cup final? I can remember Magaluf after the Welsh Cup final. Yes, I can. Can you remember most of it or was some of it just a bit of a blur? Uh, I can remember of some scenes with Kev Russell. Yeah. It's called The Whippet, but <laughs> I don't know how far we go with The Whippet. Uh, Don't tell me that after. No, and then we had some laughs with uh, Neil Roberts, Steve Thomas. Uh, we used to get them in the wheelie bin. Oh, send them down the hill in the wheelie bin. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so they used to get in the bin like Oscar the Grouch, and you you, in, you uh... and used to just let them go down the hill. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, again, um, I don't think you would be allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> 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 do you remember? Do you remember Peter Ward trying, uh, climbing a palm tree for a bet? I remember Peter Ward. Yes, on the beach. It was in the day. Yes, I remember that. Yes, in his, uh, I don't know whether it was his speedos or his underpants. I can't really remember that. <laughs> I mean, both of those are funny. But let's go. Let's go speedos. They, they just sound funnier. <laughs> a speedos award. Yeah, good lads though. Good lads. <laughs> We do something on the podcast called our Fearless in Devotion moment, which is yep. something uh, during, it could be your whole whole spell at Wrexham that filled yep. you with the most pride. I don't know if anything sort of comes into your mind. Like it could be a game or a moment or something that you just, yeah, you I, just brought. I think, I can't remember, I scored a goal. Uh, Kev Reeves always said to me, it's the best goal I've ever seen scored. Oh, wow. It, it come across from Carl Connolly and I'd hit it with the inside of my foot on the side, like a side volley, and it went into the top corner. And Kev Russell always, uh, Kev Reeves always said, it's the best goal I've ever seen. I had the Welsh Cup, we won the Welsh Cup. That was yeah. a good, that was uh, really good. And uh, just games throughout the league, you know, that we'd won and played and worked really hard for. Yeah. So you definitely meant that goal, yeah? Yeah, well, I definitely meant to hit it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I <keep> going. <laughs> Because, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, uh, anyone would know a good goal. It's Kev Reeves, who was, you know, a brilliant striker in his day, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was great to have them, you know, like uh, Brian Flynn, obviously played midfield, Wales, you know, uh, obviously Joey Jones, Kev Reeves, you know, so you got defender, midfielder, forward, very experienced. And yeah, we had a good, we had a good foundation. Oh, what was Joey like then? Just because I, I know you played a bit of centre half. Did he ever sort of give you any tips on that, or what was he just like? Just Joey, generally around the place. Joey, another player played with his heart. You know, literally, uh, it was unbelievable. You know, the amount of uh, in the dressing room, it encouraged to give you. Now, I always remember. I mean, I texted him the other day, and remember he was always saying, he always said, stood at the door to go out to the pitch. Do not look at them. So we would not look at the away support. You know, we would not look at the away players. And these words were, do not look at them. And he'd shout that loud. <laughs> so what if he caught you looking at one of them, like one of your mates or something? No one would look. Everyone just looked away. Everyone just looked straight forward. That was it. Yeah. You yeah, knew what you... because they were so shit scared of him. Oh, yeah. You knew what your job was to do. He'd come around to every player. He'd tell you what you do. You know, get in straight away. Put yourself about, 
yeah, brilliant. No, I can't. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. I mean, he's a Welsh legend. If we move forward to the second season, there's another Welsh legend who, who joins the club. So Ian Rush comes in. What was it like sort of training with him? Oh, amazing. When, when he first came, it's like, oh, my God, Ian Rush, Ian Rush. Ian. But honestly, an absolute lovely guy. Down yeah. to no big, no qualms about him, nothing about him, just so down to earth. And I must admit, with the younger players, he was brilliant. Yeah, I know we had Neil Roberts on a couple of months ago and he said, you know, the amount of work that, that Rushy did did with him really sort of helped his game. I mean, I know you were an experienced player, but could could, you, could even you learn a, a thing or two from, from... Oh, definitely. I mean, the reactions they had, I mean, him and Robbie Fowley always used to say within six, six, within six seconds that to get the ball back at yeah. Liverpool. And they would get, they'd turn the backs and then all of a sudden they'd... Uh, sprint, get the ball, they get the ball back. But yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you know, lovely, you know, like really good, genuine, you know, not big headed. You know, he could have been, he could have been a real, you know, but he was just so down to earth. All the younger players, he spoke to them. And uh, yeah, great. Yeah, I know it was a real sort of, I mean, I couldn't believe when we, when we got him, to be honest, as, as, you know, I was sort of on the cop at that point, just like a, a teenager. Yeah. And I thought to, to yeah. get Ian Rush at our club, I was thinking this guy is going to absolutely score hatfuls in this league. It didn't yeah. really work out for him for that, did it? I mean, I mean, uh, you outscored him that yeah. season. That's it. But I think obviously what it is, is, is you, balls played into him. These players see things quicker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Is it, and of course, Players want to kick him, don't they? Players want to kick him, you know. It's it's a different. It was a different game for him to play in, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think he sort of how when he? I know he's only there for a season, but he came in, he helped the, the lads coming through. Do you think he left a legacy there? Like, what yeah. Was... You no, know, for every player that's played there, it's great. Like people say to me, "Who's the best player you played with?" Ian Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Rexton. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He's a yeah, it's it's great. It's great, you know, it's great for the players. Brilliant. Some of the sort of highlights of that season. It was another one where you know, again, they went they went quite close, but couldn't really couldn't really you know get into the the playoff places. Do you remember the city games? I know you didn't play in the first one, but um, I think that goes down as probably one of Rexham's best results in a while. That drawing away at City nil nil. Yeah, I remember playing at Man City at Wrexham. Uh, yeah. And I, the only thing I remember, I challenged uh, the centre-forward at the time. And I th- I'm not saying he broke his ankle, but he'd done his ankle really bad. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name now. But, uh, yeah, I remember that game at, at Wrexham. Like, it was brilliant. You know, we were a strong team, Wrexham. We and they've always been a strong team. I'm, a, I'm about to tell you the name of that centre-half. I've got it here. What's his name? You Tony you used him. Right, hang on. Let me, let me. I'll just get this for you. Yeah, uh, it's only a small player. Right. Uh, have a look. Russell was it? Maybe. No. no. Oren. Yeah, there's a guy called Weekins. Hawlock, Brown, Pollock, Taylor, Bishop, Whitley. Ah. No, it's not on. It's yeah, not on here. He had a foreign sounding, and he was, 
he was he was a well known Man City, well known player, and I tackled him, and then dive diagonal ball across, and then I think we scored. Mm. I think that was, and then obviously went on then sort of thing from that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, a few a few sort of changes in that team. I mean, Peter Ward came out of it. It was, I mean, Gareth uh, Dave Brammer really sort of made a. A name for himself that season. What was we don't talk about him as much as we should on this podcast. What was he like to play with? Because he went on to have a really good career. Yeah, Dave Ramer is very good, very good. I think he frustrated a lot of players. A lot of players had arguments with him. Kev Russell, Wardy, uh, very outspoken, and I think there were a lot of clashes during that time. Hmm. Uh, I remember in the dressing room the once. Uh, just walked to the dressing room and it was going off and it was fighting and everyone was, not everyone was fighting, but a couple of the players were fighting. But that's the way it was then because the lads played with the heart and the sleeve. Yeah. Lose, do you know what I mean? So it was frustrating. So, of course, everyone had differences. It, it happens. You know, that happens in football. Yeah. I mean, uh, w- w- did that happen often when things were overspill or was it, you know, was it <laughs> was it caused by Brammer or was that just the normal thing of a of, of a team that you know sometimes things spill and but you know back then you you sorted it out there and then yeah I think things spill over and, or somebody says something on the pitch to you and then it's waiting to the dressing room and then they confront you and then you know things are a bit hotter and it kicks off sort of thing yeah and, and Brammer sort of coming through because he was a young lad did that do you think that sort of wound up the likes of Rooster just because you know you've if a young lad comes in shouting, shouting the odds, it's they've yeah, got a really yeah, yeah, probably really in football, you have you spoke well, you you have respect for your older players. And I suppose yeah. for player he is, he, he wasn't having none of it. So he just thought, well, you know what, you don't you're not gonna say that to me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that causes but I suppose Bram is a player who trusted his own ability and maybe knew that, you know, he could he could go on and you know he yeah. did, didn't he? Ability, I mean he could, you know, he could ping the ball. From left to right, you know, straight on the end of your foot, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, right. I've got another pre or post season trip to, to. I don't know, really know where these fit in, Dean. I'll be honest. Because, right, we've had Magaluf, which was after the Welsh Cup win, which I took to be the first season, but it was like you won the FA Premier Cup a, a few times then. So I don't really know which one it fit in. Do you remember a trip to Ireland? Yes, I do remember a trip to Ireland. Yes, <laughs> I just saw a light bulb go off in your in, in, <laughs> in your brain there. It may have been Limerick or somewhere like. That. I remember uh, Brian Carey. Brian Carey. Brian Carey knew where we were. Yeah, yeah. Did Brian Carey know where he was by the end of it? Uh, I don't think about twelve players knew where there was by the end. Because <laughs> I've heard a, I've heard a, a, an old wives' tale that maybe Brian Carey missed the flight. I don't know. I don't know about that. I remember. I remember we met up and uh, Brian knew where to go to the pub, and we went on to the pub in the afternoon, and we were free to go out. And I remember the lads going out in the sea and all that, in like their underpants, the boxers. It was quite a funny afternoon. Um, fair play. And was that like after the sort of tour, the games had been done, and Flinny just said, "Right, go out and go out and enjoy yourselves." Yeah, break sort of thing. Going no trouble. Don't enjoy yourselves. It's good. It was good. No, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so we're sort of coming to to the last 
season now, which is like the, I think, 99-2000. I think game time's a little bit more limited for you in this season. Um, yeah. In the summer, he, uh, Flynn signed two strikers, Stevens and Lowe. Did you sort of get get the feeling you might you might not get as much of a chance up front? Yeah, I thought at the time then, yeah, definitely. Then I was probably used more at centre half. Yeah, uh, but obviously, as the forward thing happened, then you know that was the way it was. Go- that was the way it was going. I was going to play at the back, and uh, and go from there. Yeah, did you always sort of think in your career that you would start sort of moving to the back more? You know, as you as you got older, and you know, uh, it happens if you you know a lot of people who've done the same as you, like Dion Dublin or people like that, always always tend to sort of end their careers at centre half, don't they? Where they don't maybe have to do as as much as, of, of the donkey work. Yeah, and I think what happens is younger players come through, and as you're getting older, you know, it's like anything, any job. Younger come through, the older move out, move move to one side, uh, mm. and I think that is what the situation was. You know, obviously uh, Brian Flynn at the time thought, well, we need to change, and that's what happens in football. Yeah, and and you were you were fine with like moving to the back. I mean, it, it, you just wanted to play. Is it all all yeah. at that time? Yeah, no, I, the back. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, it was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed it there. So uh, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Did you ever sort of think in your career, maybe if I'd have specialised at centre-half, you know, it, it might have been a little bit different or did you... Yeah. Well, going back, going back years ago when I was, when I was playing non-league, there was a guy there, uh, a guy called uh, oh, Dolphin and he was a, he was a scout for Derby. Right, yeah. Manager of playing, but no, he's not, a, he's not a centre-forward, he's a centre-half, he'd make a centre-half, he's, he'd be good, he'd be good. Of course, and then over the time, obviously, I went centre half, and it, you know it went on from there. Yeah, so he spotted that early doors, did he? Yes. Yeah. 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 No. yeah. I mean, I was scouted from uh, Hales Own Town by a Villa, a Villa scout. Yeah. Yeah. And you came across as a striker. I came across as as a striker then. Yes. Yeah. And so was it a Villa you started sort of? Dabbling with centre half because you know it is a really specialised position, isn't it? And you know centre halves don't really come into their own until they're in the the mid twenties, really. So you know it's it's quite hard learning to 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 play that position. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, when I was with John Bond at Shrewsbury, he put me to centre half, started playing there, and then that was it. Then and then I carried on. Yeah, and did you have like any special coaching for it, or is it just sort of? The I just think the game up front you head the ball, so at the back you're coming on to head the ball and you're meeting the ball, and then the back. And I suppose at the back you see a lot more in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put you back to goal, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And what sort of what was your passing like as a centre half? Did you like to sort of stroke it around, or were you the sort of uh, <laughs> were you sort of more of a a long ball sort of player? Um, no, I was all right. I used to get it, pass it wide, pass it to Philardi, Darren Brace, uh, or drop a ball into the forwards. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, no problem at all. Good, good. Um, one of the the modern centre halves who you know play the play the game like a like a midfielder really now, don't they? Yeah, but I have got I've got no problem with the centre half that heads and kicks because that's their job at the back. You know. Just looking at that season. Um, Darren Ferguson came in. Could you see his quality straight away? 
yeah, it was a good lad. Yeah, very good lad. Yeah, he knew how to slow the game down, pick the game up and bring players into play sort of thing. Yeah, and I suppose if you, you know, you're playing out from the back, then you've got you've always got Darren available, haven't you? He's always sort of willing to take the ball from you guys and, and start building building attacks. Yeah, he was very good on the ball, you know, he's very good on the ball in there. He, you know, he could see some things that other players couldn't see. But obviously that's why he played, you know, Wolves, Man United, that's why he played there. Yeah. What was he like as a fella? Yeah, he was a nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah, very down to earth. Uh, yeah, no problems at all. You know, just normal a normal lad mixing in with the team. Yeah, I always sort of thought that maybe for for his talent, maybe you know the amount of games he he played a lot of games for Wrexham, and maybe I, I I thought he could have well say gone on because he was getting on a bit at the time. But what, what I'm trying to say is, you know. To, to think that of a player of that talent to play most games for Wrexham, you would think he, w- he would have been at a higher club. Yeah, I think probably looking at it and probably what let him down was he's probably getting around the pitch. Right, yeah, pace. It, or it was more left to right, that sort of thing. Whereas some, you know, get up front, join in and that. But uh, with the way he played, you know, it was great. Yeah, he ne- he, yeah, you're right. He never really broke the lines that much, if you know what I mean. Like a... He wouldn't break through and join in with the foot. You know, sometimes he would, but it wouldn't be very, you know, not very often throughout the game. He's very much left to right. And his balls into forwards, you know, feet were unbelievable. Yeah. And, and do you benefit from that as well? I mean, because obviously you play yeah. a few games up front. Balls he plays in, you know, uh, he sees things quicker. So you have to be aware up front, you know, you'll see things that other players haven't seen and flick it around the corner. And yeah, great. So I think, uh, looking towards that season, I think um, you came off after four minutes against Scunthorpe in March 2000. And yeah. I think that was your last appearance. Was that was that an, an injury, Dean? Yes. I, uh, what happened was I'd, uh, I'd won player of the season, supporters player of the season. Yeah. Had the reward, had the award. And uh, I think there were about three or four games to go towards the end of the season. And uh, what happened was I got the ball at the back, played the ball to uh, Darren Brace, and I went to push off. And my the old uh, Adidas Blades boot stuck in the ground. Ooh. When I pushed off and twisted, my Ooh. knee up to a big pop. And then my mind, then I thought, I knew I'd done something serious. Of course, I was, I'd won player of the season. Mm. Contract was up. I was trying for a, I was asking about a contract. Yeah, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Of course, and then I've done that. And then that was it. And that's when Rexton then released me. Well, I mean, that that does sound a bit a bit harsh, really, isn't it? I know it sort of happens happens in football, but you know, to not have the new deal and then I, I know a few players who you who sometimes they get a new deal just because the club want to see them sort of through through yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I was a bit uh, upset at the time, the way it happened and what, what the way they went about it. But it's football, and I suppose they're looking after themselves. But what had happened, I'd had a, if I'd had a total rupture, mm. I'd, they'd have had to give me a year to rehabilitate myself. Yeah, right, but yeah, then, yeah. And from Wrexham's point of thing, I'm not playing, so it's a bigger money draw on the club. Mm. So I was released... And then, of course, you've got a partial tear cruise ship. 
who's going to take you on, what's going to happen. And then, of course, I went to a little show, built my leg up, worked at it, got back playing. Uh, and then I was in America and Graham Barrow phoned me uh, from Chester. Yeah. Oh, do we have to talk about Chester, Dean? No. <laughs> I was going to say you played for a lot of you played for some you know smaller clubs in North Wales, Colwyn <laughs> Bay, Chester. Yeah, <laughs> Colwyn Bay. is great. Colwyn Bay was brilliant. Yeah, you know I used to live up there, and it was always a good. I used to like that that ground. It's a good, uh, yeah, good little great. setup they've got, haven't they? Yeah, good. That was good. Yeah. So, what was it like at Chester? I mean, did you did you ever sort of feel? Oh, I don't know if I can sign for Chester if I've if I've played for Wrexham or did you just sort of think, Hey, look, I need a contract. They're offering me a contract. Let's do it. Yeah. You look at it and then you think, well, you know, at that time I hadn't qualified in anything. And then I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. And then looking for security really. Yeah. Thought, well, my leg's fine. Graham Barrow was a nice guy. I remember him, you know, from up North teams. And I thought, you know what? He was a nice guy. I never really thought of the club at the time because I wanted security for me. Yeah. So I signed, and then about the third game in pre-season, I had a total rupture of the knee. Oh, right. Oh, total. was it the same knee? Same, same. It was the same knee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was it. So I was out then. I was out then for eight months, and then the chairman at the time. Terry Smith. Oh, yes, Terry was, Smith. Now, you could probably have a podcast just on Terry Smith, couldn't you? You what, sorry? You could probably have a podcast just on Terry Smith, couldn't you? Oh, God. We used to throw an American football ball. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. 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 Were you, were you in the eye of that particular storm then? Because there's so many stories about what he was doing and how he was trying to... How he was trying to run the team, and, and were you just like caught in the middle of this? I was in it. I was in all that. Yeah, I was in all that. He stacked me. He stacked me. Bearing in mind, I decided he stacked me because I was I'd done my cruise So he stacked me for the football club, and the PFA said, "Well, you can't do that." Is he? You know, he signed a contract. You can't do that. So then he tried to get me into work in the office from nine till five. Wow, did he? Yeah, and I was like. I don't mind, you know, I don't mind coming and doing stuff with a team and whatever, but what am I going to do? Do you know what I mean? Also, Dean, you've got to re- rehabilitate. I mean, that takes hours of a day, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're re- rehabilitating, sometimes, you know, it, it is. You're in there Monday to Friday, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nine, nine till four o'clock, you're in there. All the literature was in there for nearly eight months. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean it's, it's almost a rehabilitation like that is almost harder than, than training normally, isn't it? Like, Yeah. I mean, you know, the work you get through, physical work you get through was unbelievable. And then what happened then, I had a physio that was at Chester, Joe Hinnigan or Hinnigan. Yeah. Uh, he had me in. He thought I was pulling the wool over his eyes. So I was in, I was running nine o'clock till three o'clock every day. I mean, this is. I mean, I mean, I know this is only twenty years ago, but it does seem like a different world, doesn't it? From John Bond telling telling you things like that to to a physio who thinks you're pulling the, the wool over his eyes and wants you to do extra running. I mean, 
football's changed so much now, isn't it? This, this sounds, sounds like from a different era. Some things I could tell you, but it couldn't go out on something like this because in, in nowadays people go to prison for what they've said. Mm. For what said stuff. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's baffling, you know. Even stuff like Wrexham releasing you injured is just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. But yeah, I, I suppose... I, I did feel bad and I said bad stuff in the, in the Wrexham leader about it because I felt, you know... I'd give him my all, I'd done my cruise shit, and then he just goes, yes, yeah, see you, see you later. But I always say to any young lads now, anything, I just say, I always say to them, you're as good as a piece of meat in a butcher's shop. Once that meat's gone off, you're gone. Yeah. yeah. So post it while you're there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that sort of, you, you just sort of have to put it to one side and go, well, that's football. Yeah, but- of course. After, once it had done, it was done and, you know, I've got on with it and, you know, I got on with it and didn't really worry about it. But at the time, when it's your livelihood and you're thinking, I'm finished, I'm finished. Yeah. Right, I, I know I know you the shrew sort of cult hero, but do you still root for us today or, or, or are you a shrew at heart? Yeah, no, I still, I still look. I have my uh, football. I have Wrexham, Shrewsbury, Birmingham City, all of my favourites of the uh, come up. I mean, I was at uh, Wrexham two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I go to some of the Shrewsbury games, but uh, yeah, I was up at the uh, Solio Moors uh, Wrexham, and uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's it's changed so much. You know, the team yeah. teams a strong team. You know, they got good players from probably championship teams, some of them. Yeah, anyone sort of particularly stand out for you from, from that game? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the players, you know, a lot of them. I mean, the main ones up front, I mean, they've got good interacting play. Palmer, Mullen, you know, the movements, the ball's into them. You've got the lads. Uh, his brother plays for uh, Newcastle. Oh, uh, yeah, Tozer. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, oh no, Elliot Lee is dad. Elliot, I mean, the ball's through to the forwards. He sees and gets into their feet round the corner. So some great goals, unbelievable movement. And Mullen's got movement. He, you know, he pulls off well, and you know, he scores goals for fun, doesn't he? He does. He has. He's 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 had a great two seasons. I mean, one thing that has been happening over the last couple of days is they've been r- ripping the cop down. So I don't know if you've seen that at all, but that's like a Gareth, Gareth Owen. I've seen these pictures ripping yeah. that. Quite sad to see. I mean, I remember that being full of Wrexham fans during yeah. game. Unbelievable. I mean, when, when they started chanting from there, that was unbelievable. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so I say. That was my sort of... When I was watching you, Dean, that was sort of my my, my spot, really. I always went with the same three lads, always stood in the same place. And, you know, yeah. it's... It's what I remember fondly of growing up, really watching watching you in that team from, from that place. So I, it's a bit of a pang for me to see it come down. But at the end of the day, it's progress, isn't it? They're going to replace it with a five and a half thousand seater stand. I mean, you imagine the ground with that with that stand back built back up and full of fans again. It'll be unbelievable, unbelievable atmosphere. And I think yeah. it'll be a fortress. That will be a fort. I think there will be a strong, strong team. Yeah, no, I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. Can I just ask a little bit about about your time at Solihull? Because I know you, you after you finished uh, after you finished playing, you retrained as a, a physiotherapist. Um, 
Now, did you sort of think because of the injuries you'd had in the career that you sort of you wanted to to treat people correctly? You had some sort of experience or that, or was it something that had always really interested you? Yeah, no, what it was, I I had an interest in the sport and and in the injuries, and I I used to look and uh, when Mal was there at uh, Wrexham. Mel Pedgick, I used to look and I was interested in asking him about it. And uh, I'd done a, a sports therapist course uh, on sports injuries and it was with the PSA. Uh, and I'd done that and then I went on to be uh, at Solio Moors then for six years. Yeah. yeah. I was similar line as a, a physio. And uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved because I knew the injury what a player had, I knew how he felt because I'd had that injury. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know. But then obviously you have the other side of it. You do have players that fake injuries. Right. So I knew the reverse psychology of the injury. So if I said, does this hurt? And it didn't, I knew they were lying. Right, fair enough. Yeah. So I that knew it, and there's a lot of that goes on. There's a lot of players, you know, don't want to play because of... Uh, they're not in the frame of mind. The confidence has gone. They'll throw it. They'll throw it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that surprises me. But I suppose when you think about it, yeah, it mu- it must happen. Yeah. Yeah, happens happens all the time. If players aren't fancy or the confidence is low, or you know they're playing against, I don't know, their old team, they may not fancy, it and they're all throwing injury. No, I mean, just being inside the Solihull camp, how hard is the National League? Oh, it's hard. I mean, you've got to remember that these are good players. They're on the fringe of making it into league football. You know, some of them have got good jobs. They don't want to leave the non-league scene to go into yeah. the league. And they're earning more money. But, uh, oh, it's a strong league, very strong league. And from a physio's point of view, how hard is it to keep players fit in the National League? Just because... You know, it can be the pitches are sometimes a little bit heavier and they play a lot of games, don't they, when you when you put in the trophy and everything else they have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, there's so many games there. I mean, like you say there, with the pitches, that they're heavy. You know, you're playing two games a week. It's heavy on you, you know, especially you're playing, I don't know, 100 minutes, you know, 90 minutes, 100 minutes extra time. Uh, yeah, it puts a lot of stress on the body. You get a lot of hamstrings, calves. And it's it's the way I think as well. It can it can happen. How you train, you can yeah. put a lot on the body and stuff. I mean, we we used to always train very well, so there wasn't many injuries really. We never had that many injuries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But now it's all changed. You know, it's it's a lot of a quick shot. Whereas in our day, it was more about running, getting stamina in you, sort of thing. And it's changed. The game has changed. So much. It'd be interesting to see a Man United team from years ago, a Man United team now on a on an old pitch and then a new pitch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, old but, ball and a new ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it, it adapts, doesn't it? It changes. Yeah. Um, right. We we do sort of like a at the end we do sort of like a quick fire uh, yeah. thing, which is just. Any there's players that um sorry I'm not explaining this very well. So any any player that um pops into your head over your time at Wrexham, who was the most skillful? Most skillful, I will go oh, most skillful. 
I'm going to go Peter Ward. No, okay, good, good. Yeah. Who was the worst dressed? Worst dressed, Andy Marriott. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, you must have got his clothes for free as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want those. <laughs> right. Um, who was the biggest moaner? Dave Brammer. Oh, yeah, I see. We we need to do we need to think more about Dave Brammer. He seems an interesting character. We we don't talk about him a lot on this on this pod, but you know, yeah. he's yeah. <clears throat> got so much stick from the lads. He got Wardy, Kev Russell, everyone. <laughs> God, I hated him, but he just moaned at everyone, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose I can see it from their point of view, isn't it? They're experienced lads. They're seeing a young lad coming through who's obviously got talent. They want yes. to try and help him as best as they can. And if yeah. he's not reacting to that, that's going to cause friction, isn't it? Yeah, and he was very outspoken. So older lads aren't going to have it, are they? Yeah, no, fair enough. So, yes. who, was the most, who was the most underrated player? Ooh, underrated? Yeah, who didn't really get the plaudits uh, that they should have? Darren, Darren Brace was unbelievable. Darren Brace was a good right back, good, strong right back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every game, you know, he'd always be there around your ankle. He was a good, good player. I think, anyhow, I think. Yeah, no, I remember Darren. He was small, wasn't he? But, he, you know, yeah. he never gave up and no, he, never. he must have been one of the fittest. Yeah, definitely. No, fair enough. All right, final question. Who would you least like to fight? Least like to fight? Oh, no, that was all right. That was all right. <laughs> That was all right. They're all good lads. They were all there was no there was no mad person like that sort of thing in the team. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And That's also, what... you know, you're a six foot something centre half striker. You can probably look after yourself, can't you? I was okay. I was okay. <laughs> Thank you so much to Dean for his time and for Andy for speaking with him. Uh, top guy. Um, but anyway, now it's time for us to resurrect uh, a past feature, something that's been dead for some time. So those of you who've been with us from the beginning will remember, history only tells a story. this feature one of us will play a Wrexham related clip from years gone by and discuss it Tim what have you got for us this week well I've got something slightly left field but when you when you view the clip stroke listen to it you won't be that surprised as it involves a certain Lee Trundle and we all know that Lee Trundle equals high-end quality goals of ridiculous glowiness so I've taken it right back to 2002 a mere 20 whatever years ago. Wonderful. So there we are. Um, so this is Lee Trundle scoring an absolute cracker at the Memorial Ground, which is the home of Bristol Rovers. We win that game 3-0. This is the third goal. We're 2-0 up at halftime, thanks to an Andy Morell double. In steps Trundle and the silly things a la Dennis Bergkamp, flicking it over players' heads, flicking it round them. So if you get a chance, go and type in Bristol Rovers and Wrexham into YouTube and see it for yourself.
to Morel. Just gets a little touch to it. Trundle beautifully done. Oh, that is excellent. Exquisite goal. Three goals to nil. Wrexham lead to the delight of their visiting fans. And that is quality indeed. As is vintage Trundle, isn't it? That is quality indeed, as the oh, uh, that commentator's a great blast from the past. Love that guy's yeah. voice. So was it Soccer Sunday he was on? Yeah, I kind of. Yeah. I, I thought it was Bob Humphreys, but I'm not sure if it was. No, because it was ITV, wasn't it? Bob Humphreys was BBC yeah. man. After yeah. I'll, I'll have a Google now. You discuss the goal, and I'll Google it. Yeah, so I mean, as 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 we go through it, I mean, it was just unbelievable. It comes from a throw-in, and then it gets flicked on. Trundles back and into the player. He takes one flick over the outside of his boot, takes it over the player's heads. He's whisked around him and then just plants it in the back of the net. And then his run to the celebrating fans is almost as quick as anything he's probably done in the pitch all day. He's just ridiculously fast. Loves it. Absolutely loves it. What a player. And it's unfortunate that we uh, we had him in a time where we didn't have um, great videos on our mobile phones because... Half of the goals is, is probably committed to videotape instead of DVD or anything like that. But yeah, what a player. Brilliant. I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but listeners, we have been joined by Andy Gilpin, who is looking at us in front of some beautiful big gold curtains. Where are you, Andy? He's <laughs> currently sitting on a tiger. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, can you hear me, by the way? We can. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I mean, sort of like a motel um, in North Shore, Auckland, in the middle of a cyclone, which hasn't hit. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, can, can, yeah. you, can you um, confirm something for us? Is, it, is this business or pleasure? This is pleasure, right? Yeah, this is pleasure. I'm going to watch the cricket. It's always been my, my ambition to watch a test match series uh, abroad, and I've never been to New Zealand. So Brilliant. I thought, yeah, let's do it. Might, might be able to show you outside. Hang on, I'll give you a tour. Oh, please do. Um, what time is it there, Andy? Uh, it's about half eight. Oh, there you go. AM. <laughs> oh, wow. What? What? What yeah. have you? I know. Um, we're we're um the other side of the city, so we're by the beach. So we're gonna have a walk, uh, a walk along the shore, and then uh, we're gonna watch the Super Bowl. That's why I'm wearing my Philadelphia green um Wrexham top, and I'll probably yeah. support. Yeah, I will support Philadelphia. I think I'm. I think I'm a fan. I'm, I'm not really sure who I. It's it's like a lot of the Americans coming across and choosing us as a club because there's a void there. So I think I think I'm an Eagles fan. Let's do that. Yeah, go Eagles. You are. Well, Rob, uh, who does apparently listen to all the Wrexham podcasts, will be delighted. I'm sure listening to this right now, as you've made him very yeah, happy. I, I at... need, hey, look, look, I, I need a I need a team to support. So why not support uh, my 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 owner's team? So of course, yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. Indeed, good man. Hey, 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 listen. We, you've just you've just come in during history only tells a story, uh, and the clip that Tim picked was Lee Trumbull's third goal against Bristol Rovers away. Do you remember it? Is that the one where he flicks over one player and then and then another and then puts it in? Correct. Yeah, one. I remember that. I remember Super. that one. Great skill, great skill there. All left foot. I can seem to remember. He actually, yes. did this with his right foot. Believe it or not. No, I don't no. think he did. He did, didn't he? I mean, I just watched. I just watched it. <laughs> I think it was his left foot. Now gonna We're going to have to rewatch it now. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Hold on. Left foot, left foot. Oh, left foot, left knee, left foot. There we go. Um, beautiful. Fair Liam, enough. I mean, just... My, my eyes are upside down. 
can I say? I'm upside. I'm literally upside down. I'm on the wrong side of the bloody world. <laughs> I sometimes forget just how entertaining Trundle was. Though he was my favourite player at the time, but as a, a sort of, I don't know what I've been about 12, 13, something like that. Then I don't know if I ever truly appreciated what a talent he was because I, I watched the videos back and it's like, did I actually see that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, um, magic Quality. man. Top guy. Uh, right, well, listen, let's move on to the end of the podcast um, and look at the week ahead. Uh, before we do that, predictions. I got Sheffield United right, and I think you did as well, Andy, didn't you? 3-1? Yeah, I'll take uh, that. Yeah, A million points each. Yeah, agreed. Tim and Liam at the bottom <laughs> um, losing. Uh, but anyway, this week we've got Woking on Tuesday. Big old game. Tough side. And then we've got Aldershot away on the Saturday. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts? I don't think there's much chance of us going through the season with a 100% home record. I'd love it if we did. But if coming up, you know, I think we've got to beat County. But Woking, they're a really good side. Um, I think they were good from away from home. They beat Chesterfield. I can see a draw there. I think it's going to be one each. I think we'll go ahead, but there'll be some sort of late drama. Uh, and then uh, old shot back to winning ways, 3-0. Funny enough, Andy, uh, very timely, that prediction, considering stuff that we were discussing earlier, because I was saying that I don't think it's going to be the team that blinks first now of us in Notts County that doesn't go up, doesn't win the league. It's going to be the team that doesn't get into a rut. It'll be the team that bounces back from any bad defeats. So maybe this yeah. will be the week for it. Uh, Tim, what are, your, what are your thoughts about these two big games? Uh, I still think that we are going to go through an entire league season at home winning all of the home games in the league. I just I just I just feel it now. I don't know what it is. Um but yeah, there's just something about it. And it was it was it was the same same against Wilson. It's a bit of a weird, weird atmosphere to begin with. Then it picked up and then the, the sort of players responded to that as well. So I think we'll overcome Woken 2 0. And I think older shot. I don't know why I always feel like older shot is 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 a tougher one for whatever reason. But they're better away than they are at home, so we'll squeak a one nil at all the shot. So I'm I'm going for a couple of clean sheets because we're overdue some. So yeah, two nil and a one nil. I'm gonna say this because and hope that it doesn't become true. But I'm gonna say we'll beat Woking two one, and then we'll draw with all the shot for whatever daft reason that will happen down there. Um, I'm gonna say one all. Liam? I was going to say draw against Woking, but I don't know, like Tim, I've just got this feeling about our our home form and how nice it is to see. Uh, go for a 2-1 win against Woking and then 2-0 away at Aldershot. Extremely optimistic, I know, but why not? Why not indeed? This is what happened to us Wrexham fans now. We've got so positive that we literally cannot see ourselves losing at home, which means it's going to happen, isn't it? Um but still, uh, Andy, before we go, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on uh, the the malarkey at Bramall Lane on Tuesday night because, uh, you know, great atmosphere looked there, by the way, with with the fans. I was in the press box and um, the atmosphere looked incredible. The, the noise was brilliant. It must have been a great uh, experience. Yeah, it was. Um, I think Billy Sharp took the shine off it a little bit. I don't quite understand where he's coming from there. Um, I mean, I, I can sort of get that he's a bit annoyed by that picture, but even if he is annoyed by that picture... It's not the players who have put that picture up and it certainly ain't the bloody fans, is it? So why is he running over to us um, acting the fool and then having to go at their players in the uh, 
in the tunnel. Um, it it, it did, didn't quite add up. I think I think sometimes people just lose their head. And you know, we had another good performance there. It was a great atmosphere. We sang all the way through. But it, it, it all the sort of post match stuff was about Billy Sharp. And even I you know, wrote something about Billy Sharp because you know, it, it sort of it just sort of it just sort of moves reflection away from from what was a great FA Cup run. Uh, but yeah, loved it. And I also think, to be honest, mate, I think we went out at the right time. Yeah, I think that's probably, uh, it would have been great to have Spurs at home, wouldn't it? But I mean, you know, we've had that distraction and we can we constantly... don't need any more distractions. No. I'm fed up of bloody Hollywood endings. If I read another f***ing national newspaper <laughs> intro with a Hollywood, not the Hollywood ending everyone was expecting, I'm going to f***ing puke. There he is. There's the guilt that we all know and love. I knew where he was going to come back to life. There was no expletives on this podcast until then. <laughs> and, and on that note, time to say bye, everyone. Have a wonderful week, and we'll uh, speak to you next week. See you, guys. So, uh, up, up the owls.